All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The first selection of the National Hockey League Draft belongs to... The Daily Faceoff Podcast comes to you courtesy of the Nation Network. The first overall pick in the 2015 NHL Draft. Gretzky had it, lost it, Eisenman picks it up. Eisenman holding, blue line, chance, stop! Face off. The Daily Face Off. The Daily Face Off podcast with your host, Brock Sagan. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 5 of the Daily Face Off podcast. I'm your host, Brock Segan, and with me right now is Dylan D. Berthium. D, how's it going? Doing good, Brock. Doing good. Uh, Michael Beebs Bondi is not here yet, um, so we are going to go ahead, just me and D, roll through the first half of the show, and then... By the time we wrap up the first half, Beebs should have arrived, and we will go through uh, the second half, uh, all three of us together. So uh, if you haven't been listening, which I'm assuming you have, if you're on this episode, you've probably been listening to the other ones. We are previewing each position for the 2018-19 fantasy hockey season. Uh, We finally finished all the forwards. Uh, It's time to move to the blue line, and then we'll wrap up with the goalies on Thursday. So uh, without further ado, let's talk about uh, our top 10 Fantasy defenseman to open up the show. D, since it's just me and you here, I might as well start with you. Yep. One through five, uh, who do you got on the blue line? All right, so starting off up top, I got Brent Burns. Uh, pretty obvious pick for number one, I think, here. He had a disappointing season last year with just 12 goals, but set a career high with 55 assists. 
He still fired 300 plus shots for the third season in a row, uh, and he shot just three and a half percent last year. So that should be back around his career normal or career average of 7.1 percent this season, which would make him good for a 20 plus or 20 plus goal season, 45 assists. Definitely worthy of being the first blue liner off the board. I think the shots and therefore the goals are the only reason I like him ahead of Eric Carlson, who I have it too. Carlson coming off of also a down year for him, uh, but was still good enough to finish sixth amongst defensemen in points with 62. And if you hadn't heard, on September 13th, Carlson <laughs> was traded to the Sunday Sharks. <laughs> I'm assuming they have. Uh, he's going to join Burns on that blue line. Uh, Vlasic as well makes one of the best top threes in the NHL for sure, and they got some other quality pieces up and down that blue line. But Carlson and Burns, where, where would you like? Because I know me and you are kind of guys that usually tend to weigh on defensemen. Um, obviously, depending on how the draft goes, but where would you take like a Burns or a Carlson right now this year? It's all about like you know relative to what they can do to the rest of their position, right? And I, I just think. Uh, Burns and Carlson should go a little bit earlier than anyone else after them because I, I think you look up and down, uh, you know, the top fantasy defensemen, and I don't think any of them are really uh, as good of a bet to hit 70 points mm-hmm. as they are. I think there's a good chance they could be 10 points clear of the next closest defenseman at season's end. So that's obviously a pretty big advantage. Uh, but then when you get down kind of the third, fourth, fifth guys and down on, you get a bunch of guys that are probably their ceiling, right floor ceiling. Points, yeah, it's around 50, 50 points, 60 yeah. points, and maybe they max out at 70 if everything goes right. right? Yeah. They don't have that high floor uh, that Burns and Carlson do that make them worthy of that top pick. Where, you know, on the opposite end, where you, if you look at forwards, there's tends to be... You know, I just a lot think more, the, yeah. a lot more guys that can do it again. And that's what I was going to say, too. Like, I think it's kind of, for me, um, it's like the guys who are going to get... McDavid are yeah. also going to get like Carlson this year because I like yeah. that right at the end of the second round because then that's when you're starting to get in at least <coughs> excuse me if you're going by our rankings when you start to get into like the Johnny Gaudreau's and the Jakob Voracek right. and those are guys who like Burns can literally score just as many goals as they can right. but still pick up 70 right. points so like they I like them kind of in there because like just ahead of those guys right I just think like the difference between what you'll get in like Maybe the 10th to 15th best defenseman with like around 50 points mm-hmm. and a guy you can get in like literally like the last two or three rounds, which for like 40 points. Yeah. It's just, it, like that Not big enough difference. That gap is just so much smaller than a forward you can get in the second round who's going to give you 80 points yeah. as opposed to forward at the end of the draft or later on in the draft that usually you're looking at guys that would be lucky to hit 50 points right. at that point. So it's just a much larger gap, which is why I think we generally uh, like to push D a little bit further down the draft board than most. Um, certainly with hits now being a part in standard scoring, some people might have to take that in consideration as yeah. well. Uh, but I wouldn't, you know, go banking my, I wouldn't go, uh, I guess, designing my roster around hits. I think it's got to be one of those stats that's just kind of looked off as a write-off. Yeah, if like you, it, you can you pick up it. somebody that is going to yeah, have you're not, you don't, you're really you don't want to hit specialists that's just going to kill you across no. the rest of the board, right? It's really not You can, uh, and like Burns and Carlson are both guys that kind of chip in. I mean, Burns is usually around one hit per game, mm-hmm. almost two block shots a game. Yeah. Uh, Carlson is very similar to, uh, in, in both in those both those categories. Yeah. So not guys that are going to like kill you either. Like if you have a Johnny Gaudreau who gets 17 hits a year. Yeah. And I mean, I, I we talked about it too. I, I don't think the move hurts really either one of their productions, nor no. does it help it too much. Uh, I think they're probably going to see some similar roles um, than what they've seen their whole careers, really. Uh, and I think if anything, Carlson might see some less minutes, but you'd expect that to be offset with you know better talent surrounding him as far as his production goes. But at the end of the day, I just think they're both 
they're just as likely to hit 70 points as one another, but Burns far more likely to finish with 20-plus goals, yeah. which is why I give him the nod over Carlson. Uh, and I do think there's a substantial drop-off after that. Hedman, like, uh, I don't know what the difference was in our rankings, but honestly, on the draft board, I, I'd probably be uh, willing to take Carlson or Burns 15 to 20 spots higher before I yeah, think so about taking the next closest we have, defenseman. Uh, we have Burns at 20, Hedman at 33, so yeah. pretty much the same. 13 spots different. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, Hedman took a while to get going to start off his career. Obviously, I think, you know, we've used him as a comparable or a comparison point for uh, Rasmus Dahlin a yeah. lot this season, uh, you know, where he just really didn't do all that much his first few years offensively. And a lot of that is opportunities. Rookie defensemen yeah. don't normally come in and headline a power play unit and top air minutes and uh, that sort of thing. Um, but Hedman now, you know, he's kind of... Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hedman's, you know, turned into as reliable as a point producer on the back end you can find outside of Carlson and Burns. Uh, and he's, you know, a safe bet for 15 goals year to year as well. Uh, he's going to hold down that top power play spot on Tampa Bay for at least one more year. Who knows, before uh, maybe before too long, another year or two, Mikhail Sergachev might yeah. start challenging him for that spot. Uh, but Hedman's still far and ahead, uh, the best offensive defenseman on the Lightning uh, I I think that you know his his own skill set speaks for itself, but you combine it with the situation he's in, the guys playing around him. I think that makes him the clear cut number three here. Uh, John Klingberg number four. You can make a lot of the same arguments for Hedman that you can for Klingberg, but Hedman just seems to be a little bit more consistent with the goal scoring. Uh, Kling, Klingberg does have a good shot though. Uh, should have no problem improving on his three point nine shooting percentage from last season. Um, I'd expect him to be back in double digit goals. But Hedman's just been so much more consistent the last few seasons as far as that goes. That just, just the lightning in general, too, yeah. over the Stars have been so much more yeah. consistent. Like yeah. The Stars are one of those teams... That For sure. And I, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want it to be misconstrued as I'm saying the Stars have equal talent to the lightning. But as far as the top-heavy power play unit they goes, should. the yeah, Stars should be one really of the best. Yeah. Exactly. With I still think that this is the year that the Stars finally, not maybe not put it all together. There's so, like, two years ago, they looked like one of the more talented teams in the NHL, but now all these other teams have just built such strong rosters where they're yeah. kind of an afterthought, but they are still so talented offensively. Yeah, and I'd they, like to see them finally put it together, but it might be too late at this yeah, point. Yeah, and they have some younger players coming up both up front and on the blue line that should help them. That's yeah. been their problem the last few seasons. Obviously, it's been the depth. We'll obviously talk about uh, Heiskanen a little bit later in the show. Yeah, and, and, and uh, uh, you know, Ben Bishop's got to play better too. Like if we're actually talking about how the Stars need to be yeah. better, they need better goaltending than what they've gotten so far from him. Um, or the last few seasons, yeah. anyway. Number five, I got John Carlson. I know it kind of differs from what you got. I think I'm a little bit higher on Carlson than you are. Um, but Carlson's coming off of his best season of his NHL career. Uh, earned himself a big payday this offseason. He's had career highs in goals and assists. Um, and I'm pretty sure shots on goal as well. He had 237 last year. Um, so he might not match last year's totals of 68 points. He's pretty fortunate as far as on ice and his personal shooting percentage goes. Um, but that's just at 5v5, and the bulk of this guy's production comes on the power play. And I, I just think that Cavs' power play is so good. And when you look at the guys that have ranked behind him, would be Subin and Yossi. They're going to, last season, they battled for that number one spot a lot. Um, neither one of them really held it for the full season, and that kind of puts a damper on their production. No one's, no one's pushing Carlson. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. He, he's absolutely the number one guy on that power play. Should, should continue to play you know, 23, 24 minutes a night. Um, and it goes without saying the Capitals' power play has been one of the best in the league for almost a decade now. Yeah, they got that guy. What's his name there that's pretty good in the power play? Oh, Vetchkin. Oh, yeah, he's decent. He's decent. <laughs> Never heard of him. Mr. I, Rocket Richard. Yeah. I was a bit surprised, actually, uh, when you, you know, we were talking last week a lot about uh, 
it's kind of a time where you can start looking into ADPs a little bit more than we were able to a few weeks ago. And yeah. I was lo- I was quite surprised to see uh, right now John Carlson uh, on average is the ninth defenseman being taken. Um, but even more surprising, I think, is John Klingberg, number 11 defenseman. Yeah. Uh, which was shocking to me. Um, so he, t- he tied for the league league amongst defensemen in points last yeah. year. Obviously, he did it with eight goals and 59 assists. But still, 59 assists is yeah. hard to come by. Like. Exactly, yeah. It's a- <laughs> We talk about how goals usually lends itself to more categories, which is why we value it more. But in a lot of leagues, you know, they're they're pretty much equal. So. Yeah, for me, um, I have Brent Burns at number one. Uh, same reasons as you. Just the only guy that I can look at and be like, this guy one hundred percent has a chance at twenty goals this year. Yeah, a lot of other guys can get there, but like he's the only one I would. Other other guys need kind of a fortunate year as yeah. far as shooting percentage goes, just whereas Burns just needs career average. Yeah, I mean he shot three point eight percent, where like most or three point six percent last year. That would kill most people's yeah. years, and, and he when, still scored twelve yeah. goals. And when he does shoot a little bit above average, that's when those thirty goal seasons come Pretty into play, good, right? Yeah. He's only got to shoot. I mean, I mean, it's tough for a blue liner to shoot ten percent. That's why he hasn't done it so often. But if he's only got to shoot ten percent on the blue line, firing three hundred well, shots, and like a the year, one thing too, you, goals, look, you know, you look at it, the addition of Carlson now. Penalty kills can't just focus. Like, if they play on the same unit, they play yeah. on the top unit together, there's so much talent on that top unit, they can't kind of just watch Burns anymore. Mm-hmm. It might help spread like spread things up, open it up a little bit more for them, give them a little more space, yeah. and could help. But it, same thing goes with Carlson, too. Like, they could just sit on him and Hoffman all day in Ottawa. And, yeah. You know, it becomes a little bit more difficult. So, anyway. I, I think if you're looking for a potential knock on Burns... With Carlson coming in, you might say that Carlson becomes the main facilitator on that power play. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's true, but it's still going to be ran through the both of them primarily. Uh, so maybe it's just more secondary than primary assists. And when you think about it at the end of the day, it's all going to be about getting Burns the shot on the power play, which yeah. leads to a lot of assists in itself for, off for the that, that's, not, that's all I'm thinking about is it's just going to Carlson, back to Burns, and it's yeah. in the net. Like, yeah. All night. I mean, if, and if, Carl, if they take away the shot for Burns, then Carlson has to take exactly. the he's, shot. He's right? okay. Yeah, exactly. He's decent in his own right. Um, and then, yeah, I have Carlson at two. Uh, if I go back to ADP here just for a moment, um, it's a little bit surprising to see that Victor Hedman's actually going higher than Eric Carlson on average right now. Uh, just one spot ahead, but nonetheless, I, I mean, to me, I don't think I would ever take Hedman over Carlson at no. this point. Um, so it's it's surprising that all those drafts yeah. and there's more people taking Hedman. I'd be Carlson. interested to see how much has changed since the trade. I, I got to assume people might think that it's going to hurt his production. Yeah, which but is- I think me and you kind of... Uh, Expect it's kind of offset, and he'll be right around his yeah. career averages, um, and that would include bouncing back from a down year last year. Exactly. Um, number three for me is Victor Hedman. So I mean, we don't have him too far off the board there. Uh, Thirty-three. Right, but like we said, almost a round difference between where. Yeah, he's taken like you're, we're right? talking about either the, the end of the second round or the start of the fourth round. Yeah, like it's a pretty big difference. Um, but yeah, like you said, it took him a long time to get his his career going. I think four or five seasons where he was like just very below average. Uh, but he's also a guy that can chip in um, in hits and blocks categories as well. A guy that can get over 100 in each of those. Uh, so, I mean, now that we're looking at those stats really creeping into more of the norm, um, he, he helps it a lot. The other thing, too, is that power play, like you said, is, is uh, you know, just phenomenal. At 24 power play points last year. Right. Um, now, you know, I, I'm rate, expecting him to be right around 20 again this year. The one thing that he doesn't do is score a lot on the power play, which is odd. Like, if you just chipped in, I mean, you know, when you've got a guy like Kucherov and a, and a guy like Stamkos, those two shots, obviously right. you're going to defer a little bit more than normal. But if he could, you know, even if he puts in five power play goals this year, just a little uptick in that, it would help go a long way to him getting to 20 goals potentially. For sure. Uh, John Klingberg, for me, is number four. Um, 
he ranks third among defensemen in assists over the last three seasons. Uh, unfortunately tied for just 21st uh, in goals over that time. But, like you said, he's got a big shot. His, his uh, shooting percentage should definitely improve from 3.9 last year. So, getting back to right around 15 goals maybe, he could easily be 15 yeah. and uh, 50 this year. Mm-hmm. Now he's a 65-point guy. He's right underneath um, Burns and Carlson all of a sudden. And, like you said, if we expect big things from, from Dallas, we should be expecting big things from him as well. Uh, five for me is Roman Yossi. Um, I just love Nashville, everything that's going on there. That blue line is phenomenal. Uh, he's been one of the best fantasy defensemen, really, over the last four seasons. Uh, he has at least 12 goals and at least 37 assists each of those four years, which is such consistent uh, and, you know, just ridiculously good production. Yeah. Uh, fourth among defensemen in points and tied for seventh in assists, eighth in goals. So, like, all just everything inside the top ten there. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that chips in a bunch of block shots, uh, you know, almost a hit per game, which is nice. He's just as reliable as they come, and I like taking him. Uh, I, you know, it's not a knock on John Carlson. I'm just always going to take Roman Yossi over him for whatever reason. I just, have, I have that lean towards Nashville forever. Yeah. I always have, and uh, so Roman Yossi clicks in at five there for me. I'm just going to keep going here because number six is right in the same breath. I got him ranked right behind him is his teammate PK Subban. Like you said, it is tough that they kind of steal each other's minutes here and there, but at the same time, their third pairing is so garbage yeah. in Nashville that like they <laughs> both just play 25 minutes a night and then like Yannick Weber just goes out and plays 10. Right. So, and they're playing with such talent. And Ellison now comes. Exactly. And they're playing with, each playing with Play good, the other 25. <laughs> exactly. And they're playing to, with those guys and mm-hmm. Ellis is a, is a stud. Yeah. He's going to score 15 this year and he's got Yossi as his partner on the year and Eckholm yeah, no slouch either. So, I think that just that national blue line all together with the talent they have up front. I just not that there's not a lot of talent in Washington. Obviously, there is just mm-hmm. won the cup. But uh, during his first two years in Nashville, Subban has scored 14 goals and 41 assists per 82 games. Uh, pretty good pace, 55 points, literally right there with Roman Yossi's stats, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, throughout his con- career, though, he has shown to be a consistent mid-teens goal scorer uh, and a 40-plus assist producer. So, like, there's you know, I I. I think in a way their upside is a little bit limited but i think we would have said that about john carlson coming into the like coming into last year right and then he blew up so i think like randomly they are going to have those big years i don't expect carlson to do the same thing he did last year uh we always see these guys in contract years kind of blow up so i think suban and yossi are just a little bit more consistent uh than john carlson for me uh but i have carlson ranked just four spots overall behind them so not like it's right I would never be upset that you drafted John Carlson over Yossi. Right. I think they're all kind of right there in their own little yeah, tier. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I think for me, it's Burns and Carlson in one tier, Hedman and Klingberg in another tier, and then you're looking at Yossi, Subban, and Carlson in the tier of their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carlson's seventh. Like you said, honestly, like, could, could anybody enjoyed a better season than what John Carlson did last year? <laughs> Probably not. He had his career year in a contract year, yeah. earned a massive payday, then goes out and just wins the Stanley Cup. Like, what a year. That's <laughs> like the year of years uh, for, for a guy like that. Yeah. 15 goals, 53 assists was ridiculous. I don't think he's going to be able to reproduce those numbers, but I, you know, I still like him to creep up close to 60, which is nothing to get upset about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a guy, obviously, like you said, that produces on the power play. Like, crazy. Yeah. Do you have uh, what's your difference here at six and seven? Well, I got Subban ahead of Yossi actually, mm-hmm. um, and I know you just talked about how much you love Yossi, uh, but I, I just think having followed their lineup pretty closely last year, it seemed to be Subban kind of, uh, more or less got the edge in power play time mm-hmm. over Yossi, which is the only reason I give him this spot. But you just look at their production ac- across the board, and it's just so similar since they've been playing together. 
Um, so that I, that's the only reason Subban gets the nod. I think you know they like to play around that first unit. I'm sure there'll be times during the year where they're both on it as well. Um, but I, I just I think he's got a slight edge on Yossi as far as power play time goes. It'd be crazy to see if, the nod over him. if they ran with one of them just yeah. for the whole year. What that like what yeah. the difference between their numbers would be? Like yeah. How big of a gap? Because like right now there is no difference. Mm-hmm. But if they ran with one for the whole year, I would be very interested to see how big of a gap there would be. Yeah, you would think. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say because Subban, like as of lately, as assist totals have kind of driven up. Mm-hmm. Uh, before like the last few seasons, or maybe even before he came to Nashville, I would imagine that. If that were to happen, like Subban would kind of take off with a goal total, and Yossi's yeah. assists would still kind of be stronger. Um, but yeah, it, w- it would definitely be interesting to see. <laughs> but you know, you look at a guy Ryan Ellison; he's just as capable. I mean, he could probably run any other power play oh, unit sure. in the league, right from the back end. There's uh, probably twenty-five. Team. Yeah, yeah, twenty-five teams out there where he would run their top power play. Yeah, and he's third in line on the Predators. So <laughs> it's nuts. Tough break for Ellis, but uh, moving on. So I got Subban, Yossi, and then I got Bufflin at eight. Um, you know, Bufflin. Yeah, same with me. Yeah, Bufflin had a tough year last year, 45 points, but he's limited to just 69 games. Uh, it was the first time he didn't score 10 goals since the 2012-13 lockout short mm-hmm. season. Uh, also the first time since that year that he didn't register at least 200 shots on goals. Uh, but he did get to 193 shots, so he almost certainly would have got there had he oh, yeah. been a little bit healthier last season. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I just think... Uh, Buff isn't that rare anymore when you look at his goal scoring abilities yeah. and I think the assist totals just aren't enough to separate him or at least get him up into that upper echelon of D the guys that we've been talking about uh, I, I just think you know an ideal year for him is more around 15 and 35 than 15 and 40 which is what we've been seeing from the guys like Subban Yossi yeah. all the guys ahead of he him he needs it all to go right offensively to kind of match what those guys do the, yeah. only, the only reason he Honestly, for me, that he even gets as high as he is is because now we're looking at hits yeah. being more common, and he's a guy that can literally... He's one of the rare players that can put up 200 shots and 200 hits. Yeah. But, you know, like Carlson, finds himself on just one of the best power play units yeah. in the league, uh, playing with Blake Wheeler, Mark Shifley, Patrick Laine, uh, and whoever else they decide to throw in there. It was Kyle Connor last year that could, could be, make could a big guy Ehlers if they wanted to. Could be Brock if they feel like they need to go that way. Seems <laughs> unlikely. Yeah, I'm not putting my money on it. Uh, and then number nine, Chris the Tang, one of the best point per game defensemen in the league. Durability is always the concern. Yeah. Um, but he has played at least six nine games in three of the last four years. It's getting there. Yeah, you, you know, still that's still about a ten game miss. But last year he played seventy nine, so it was pretty much his healthiest season to date, or at least since these uh, you know these health issues kind of arose and yeah. been a common theme for him. Uh, I think we both agree when healthy, he's one of the best offensive D men in the NHL, capable of posting double digit goals and anywhere from forty to fifty assists. Uh, obviously another guy who's just got tons and tons of talent to play with around him on the power play. But at the end of the day, the health concern is still there and you want stability at the top of your lineup and in the early rounds of a draft, which is why I haven't fallen down the draft board. Uh, but if, you know, I, I, I always find myself getting him, you know, in standard leagues uh, at a spot where I feel like I'm getting him for a really good value because a lot of people kind of expect him to miss time. I drafted Corrected him. that a little bit in recent years. So. I'm in a league last year, and I think I talked about it a little bit. Uh, it's like an auction draft, but you only get 10 players, Yeah. and you don't get to change anybody all year. There's no pickups. It's just the 10 players you pick on draft day. Most goals, or like just most points straight up for over the course of the whole season. Yeah. People were so scared to draft Chris Letang yeah. that I got him at, as my last pick for $1. That's crazy. Like, no, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I, I put him up. I think I had like $4 left. So I'm like, well, whatever. Like, I'll just, 
you know, $4 on Chris Letang, which I probably could have started the bid at 4 but I'm like, no, let's just see what happens here. Sure. Nobody bits, and I'm like, okay, next year, I'm just going to do it again. Earlier in the draft, just throw out Chris Letang, see if I get, I'll probably get him for two next year, because everyone is just so scared of his health. Well, hopefully they paid attention to the fact that he played 79 games last year. I hope that they did it. For my sake, at least. <laughs> he, but he went, goes out and he puts up, uh, what did he have, 51 points last year? I loved it. For a dollar, like, take that all day. Yeah. I think I had Bo Horvat for like 20 and he had 51 points. Yep, yep. And then I'll, uh, I'll finish off my top 10 real quick. I got Tyson Berry at 10. Uh, you know, Berry was able to ride the elite production in Colorado's top line last season to career highs and goals assists. He was right there with uh, McKinnon and Rantanen and Landis Cog all the way through last season. And we've talked about it. We are expecting some regression to hit the likes of, you know, Randon and McKinnon, uh, which by association means we should expect a slight drop-off in Barry's production too. Uh, so he might not, you know, match the 57 points he did last year, uh, but I, I still think he's a lock for about 10 goals and 40 assists. I really like him to get back to 50 points. Uh, and I think you just look at the other guys around him and they just kind of, like in the, you know, we're talking about Gosses Bear. Yeah. Uh, Drew Doughty, or like not Drew Doughty for this reason particularly, but specifically Gosses Bear is the other guy I was looking at putting in this number ten spot, uh, and I just think Provorov is way more of a threat to Gosses Bear's ice time, both on the power play and even strength. Where if you look at Colorado, there's really not that threat, especially the, offensively. The, you mean the 2018-19 Norris Trophy winner? Yeah, Ivan Provorov. Yeah, that that's guy. what's happening this year. That guy. So I, I, I just think Barry doesn't have that threat for his playing time, and it's a common theme. But he finds himself on one of the best power play units in the league. Playing with McKinnon, a lot of good power play units at the top of this. Uh, right. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, these defensemen are, are, yeah. are part of what make them such a good uh, unit, right? But uh, yeah, no, I like Tyson Berry a lot. Uh, I would, I you know, I was really going back and forth between him and Gosses Bear for this last spot, uh, but I had to imagine if I was doing a draft tonight and they both fell to me, which one would I go with? And I think I'd go with Tyson Berry, which is why I put him in this spot. Yeah, for me, um, I had Carlson, Buffalo, and Latang, same as you. But where mine was different was where I did go Goss to spare. Uh, and we did the, our, the top, the DFO top 300 together. And obviously it's split hairs between those two. We have Goss to spare at 59, Tyson Berry at 61. Right. So there's not much between the two. The Well, technically the only thing between the two is Joe Pavelski. <laughs> uh, but Goss to spare for me a little bit just because, you know, we don't know. I think there's a little bit more uncertainty in Colorado. Like how much regression is there going to be? Are they going to be as good as they were last year? And... Goss's bear was still better than Barry last year when everything went right. I mean, Barry did miss time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he missed, I think, 14 games. But Goss's bear is weird because, like, we were so low on Goss's bear a little bit a couple years ago because, like, he was so good in 2016 that we knew the regression was coming in 2017. But then, like, it was, like, so bad that we're like, okay, he's got to be better than that. So then we had him kind of yeah, as long as he doesn't get scratched, right? Exactly. So then we had him as a sleeper last year, and he just goes off. 13 goals, 52 assists, 65 points in 78 games. Um, yeah. Firmly planned himself among the top defensemen in fantasy. I just think, like, when you look at Philadelphia, he's going to, like, I do think Provorov, obviously, um, is going to potentially take that spot. I don't think it's going to happen, though. Right, but it I think could more so than anything that's going yeah, on. Yeah, and especially Colorado, because obviously. we've seen it today, like, that it looks like JVR might end up being on that second power play unit, and they want to spread things out a little bit. Right. So maybe Provorov to the top unit and Goss's Bear on the second unit will help spread things out. I don't think or it'll happen. Or maybe Dave Haxall just doesn't know what he's doing, which or, is a, yeah, that, that a is real possibility. So, that is so possible. Right. But uh, I just, I like Goss's Bear a little bit more. I mean, you're also looking at leagues where there's plus minus and stuff, too. I think that he'll be... Uh, he'll be better in that category yeah. than Barry just because of the team that he plays on. 
It's again, they're just such a small edge. Uh, right. To to your point, I, we obviously we're expecting Barry to fall off, or not Barry, but I guess Colorado One's production to fall off mm-hmm. a little bit this year, which would in turn affect Barry. Uh, but I don't know about you. I'm expecting more aggression to hit the likes of Drew and Couturier than oh, yeah. and McKinnon just, and just as likely. Yeah, and Barry did miss 14 games last season. He put up 57 points in just 68 games, which would have put him on a 69 point pace. Yeah. Um, so I, I think if you look at it, even if he does fall off, which a was like bit, the exact same pace, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's I, I think 60 points is still more than doable. He's a lock for 50, uh, but 60 points is still more than doable for Barry. Um, so just another reason to like him over Gossespair, but I'm right with you. I, I think you can't go wrong with either one of these guys. They're they're hand in hand right now. There's definitely it feels like a top eleven. Like if you were sitting in the draft and he gets like a couple picks before you, and it's like, oh sweet, I'm getting Gosses Bear or Barry. Yeah. Like if Buddy takes Barry in front of me, then I get Gosses Bear. Right. Like it doesn't. Whenever matter. he gets to those spots, I I always like I I always want one of them to go before because yeah. I don't want to have to make the decision yeah, exactly. and feel like, bad. Please just take one of them. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of the times, like you look at it, I, I mean, we like to think we're pretty good at projecting these guys. Mm-hmm. I, I think we are. We definitely are. But Fantasy Ref has been giving me shout-outs all week yeah, about, about yeah. how well no, I we, did. So. We definitely know what we're doing here, but at the end of the day, when you get two guys like this, a lot of times it does just come down to a coin flip. You're talking to guys who their floors and ceilings just kind of line up with yeah. each other almost identically, so it's so hard to go one way or another. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, I'm just expecting the regression to hit Philly a little bit harder than Colorado. And it's kind of like a spot right there, too, where you almost even, like, you're just saying, like, you want somebody to make the decision for you almost. Yeah. and like in that point in the draft you want you're like oh my god i hope this guy takes letang because like you don't as much as i love chris letang i kind of like just don't want him because i'm like oh my god like he i could have gosses bear who i know is probably not it's gonna defense, get hurt yeah like, it's like it's like i'm not saying if it came down to i would take letang yeah. but at least like if somebody takes him right for me i'm like all right yeah i think i don't la- have to worry about it. i don't yeah. have to, i didn't have to make that decision yeah i got him in one of my keeper leagues last year and he ended up being like my second or third defenseman when i took him so you feel a lot better about it exactly. at that point right the upside is so much more you feel a lot better taking the upside oh, with, yeah. with the risk of the doubt well if you have him as your number three like yeah that's the best right thing you but you're right for. when you're building your fantasy blue line around the guy you get a little bit more nervous about the the health concerns uh if we go back to adps here a little bit just to touch on the guys we just talked about Gosses Bear right now is going as the number seventh defenseman. Yep. Letang, number twelve after Klingberg. And Tyson Berry, number fourteen. Yeah. Behind uh Tori Krug. Interesting. Which I thought was was pretty interesting as well. Um, I like Krug a lot. I just don't think the I I think McAvoy and Chara are just plugging up his chance for his ice time really to take off. Uh and I think he can only be so serviceable as a second pairing guy even though he's on the top power play unit. When we have Krug, to, this, to, to, to add to that point, we have Krug uh, just two spots like def- on the defense behind um, Barry. We yeah. Seth Jones as the next, as the 11th defenseman. Right. Well, Corey Krug at 12. So you can really, and like, actually, sorry, we have Doughty at 11, Seth Jones at 12, yeah. and Krug at 13. Right, right which is right, obviously, uh, or honestly, I think right around where I would have them all in my personal rankings mm-hmm. as well. Um but it, it does kind of feel like that line, and obviously when you get to the 13th guy in standard leagues, the top 12 guys would have to be considered number one fantasy exactly. defenseman. And, you know, it really does get to that point where I'd, I'd feel so much better having a guy like Barry or Gosses Bear as my number one defenseman than Krug. And, like, that is the point of the draft, too, where you can start to maybe go back-to-back defensemen. You know what I mean? Like, you take yeah. four good forwards early... Then you go maybe yeah well I know a, a Barry and and a Krug and then yeah. your D's lost because those guys too. usually seem to, to clog up in the middle rounds and mm-hmm. um you know 
there's not as much of a run on defensemen as you might see with the first five or six guys yeah. that tend to go a little bit earlier than we think they should. But it's just like you said, like you were saying earlier too, like the gap between the top guys and these guys is so big. But then you also look the gap between like a uh, like a Latang to a Dougie Hamilton, even who's a couple yeah. spots lower, is like nothing. Yeah, like or, they could, like or they, a Barry to a Morgan Riley exactly. or a Jake like Gardner. It might be five points at the end of the season. But it could be in terms of production, it might yeah. be it might be nothing. But in terms of draft value, it could be two rounds. It yeah. could be three rounds. Yeah. Um, Biebs isn't here, but he did send uh, along his personal top ten. Uh, so we'll go through that really quick here. He actually has Eric Carlson atop the defenseman list. Um, then he has Brent Burns, Victor Hedman. So very, same top three as us, just a slightly different order. Uh, John Carlson at four, which is actually higher than both of us have him. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Klingberg at five. P.K. Subban at six. Seth Jones uh, comes in at number seven. So the highest and the only one of us to have him in in the top ten. Here's what he had to say about Jones. Jones took a massive step a season ago and basically replaced Wierenski. Uh, 11th in scoring with 57 points, uh, 16 of those being goals. At only 23, he's looking more and more like a game changer and elite player each year. To build on his year and push for 60 points can be expected and should be expected We'll play a ton of minutes with Artemi Panarin, which he loves, he says. Yeah, uh, I, I, I think the problem with Jones... Is that um, still there? Yeah, <laughs> it's just the same thing with uh, Yossi and Subban. I think being on the same team just kind of holds each of their individual value back. Or production, potential production, I guess, back just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I love Seth Jones, don't get me wrong. But him and Rowenski are both studs. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. And if you, it's funny, but, but I would would not mind having them both on my team either. No. Nope. I think this probably could happen the way the draft The good going thing, though, about too. them is that they play together. Yeah. So, like, it's not the same as the Yossi Subban thing. Right. At, at 5v5, you mean. Yeah. That, they yeah, tend to go one or the other at, no, yeah, at they, the power play. They, split, they split, uh, switch it up on the power play, but right. yeah. At 5v5, they play together and they play huge minutes, which yeah. is nice. So they kind of, like, that's, I would feel, actually, I shouldn't even say that. I was going to say I'd feel better about having Wenski and Jones than Yossi and Subin, but that's such a lie because I just, I would never do that. Yeah, but on a given night, you would feel better about it, I would yes. say. Yes. I think there's, yeah, a chance for both. Like, you players. could actually stack the two of them together in DraftKings. For sure. And I would not, like, I'm going to I mean, I might laugh at you because you're, you're not punning at least one defenseman, but. But you could do it if it's a night where it just calls. For yes, it. exactly. More so than you could with Yossi or Subban. And Subban, I should say. Speaking of Yossi, he's got him at number eight. Um, number nine, Shane Goss' bear. I was absolutely stunned to see him not have Tyson Berry in his top I know. 10. It makes me even happier that I put him at number 10 because otherwise we wouldn't have talked about him at all. He has Drew Doughty, and here's what he has to say about Doughty. Doughty is a minute machine, 26.50 uh, average it's time true. on ice last year. He's got one of the sturdiest floors in the league. Oh, that, yeah. Like That ice time combined with his durability. Yeah. His 60 points a year ago was a career high, which was 51 before that, which he calls not very elite. Uh, people think he was always better than he is because of the name, but that is not true. It does not translate into fantasy. His best season of 60 is where people, or is what we hope for almost all the guys above him here, which is true. Yeah. Um, he just does not like Doughty a ton. He's extremely overvalued and will be treated. Uh, are you sure this isn't his bust? Like, I, I think he must have thought that we had him firmly in our top 10 based on what he did last yeah. year. So he probably thought he was taking a slant at Doughty, leaving him at 10. I was just surprised it wasn't Barry because yeah. he's I, a, you know, I, I'd like Doughty. Like, I, I think he's a fine, obviously he's a fine second or great third defenseman to have, really. Uh, I'd be worried about having him as my first defenseman just because I don't think he has that offensive upside. We saw everything go right for Kopitar and the Kings last year, and Doughty was a part of that as far as, you know, on-air shooting percentage goes and just converting on their scoring chances. Uh, so I really do think 60 points was like his peak career yeah, and year. and that's what he said too. Yeah. 
Which is why I was. But he does to... have, you know, as sturdy of a floor as any oh, of yeah. these guys. We're talking about the nine, ten, eleven. He's kind of like spots. he's kind of like the Jonathan Taves of a couple of years ago. Taves now, I think people are finally starting to realize the name doesn't translate to fantasy. But he would go. Well, he has to have some pretty terrible years for that to happen. Yeah, but he was going. He used to go like top two rounds because yeah. people are like, oh my god, Johnny Taves, Stanley Cups, blah yeah. blah blah. And you get like come... seventy points if you're lucky. But he had a, the sturdiest of floors still, mm-hmm. but just never really had that elite upside. And it never so like I would love when people would take them, but it's yeah. you know it is what it is. Um, so yeah, that's our top tens. Uh, Beebs will be here for the second half where we're going to talk about sleepers, breakouts, uh, busts, and rookie defensemen. Um, but also, if you have a draft coming up this week, me and Dylan have been working tirelessly over at DailyFaceOff.com. Make sure that you are ready uh, for the 2018-19 season. If you need any of this information, uh, to you, you know on draft day or you want to just read more about everybody we talk about here uh, if you go to dailyfaceup.com go to fantasy and then projections we actually have written over twenty-five thousand words on 300 different players uh complete, not each no <laughs> and complete <laughs> with sure. complete with their their projections all the numbers we expect them to get this year all the numbers they had last year but uh you know a couple sentences just on what to expect from all these players uh study the shit out of that before your draft and i think you'll be successful um, if you also go to the homepage of Daily Faceoff, we have our draft kit where you can literally find everything that we've been doing over the last month, uh, whether it is those projections, whether it's our rankings that you want to print off for your draft. Uh, we've got tiered posts, you know, the tiers for each position. We've got all of our podcasts in case you've missed some, uh, as well as sleeper articles, bust articles, and team previews for every single team in the league. Breakouts and rookies soon to come. Yep, and our Daily Faceoff mock draft, and of course the the bread and butter of DFO, the projected lineups for all 31 teams across the NHL. So Boom. if you have a draft coming up this week, this weekend, uh, make sure to just study your ass off because that's what we're here for to help you. But you know what? Sometimes you can't sift through a podcast quite as easily as you can uh, some of the information on DFO. So head over to DFO, check that out, and we'll see you guys back here in 60 seconds. Broken down, so I walk the line. I drop my wounds and I die I'm out of money, I'm out of time I fly low like a broken arrow Time slows and my vision narrows I'm out of money, I'm out of time Sing your hearts out, sing it loud Make me happy, make me proud Black holes, solid ground Season 4, Episode 5 of the Daily Faceoff Podcast. As always, we hope you enjoyed those sweet riffs from the Blue Stones. Um, we hope you enjoyed the first half, breaking down our top 10. 
Uh, but we got the boy, Biebs Bondi, in the house hey. for the second half. Biebs, how you doing? I made it. Um, I walked in, so I, I was locking my car. I'll, I could hear you guys kind of closing up, and I was like sprinting in, already sweaty. Open the door, and I hear, we'll be back in a couple seconds. I'm like, oh, shit. I was going to have a sweet, like, what's up, right for the break. But now you get a hey, hey, hey. Now you get it now. Hey, I'm hey, doing hey. good, though. I'm doing really good. Good, man. And, uh, you know, you had Seth Jones ranked pretty high. We Hell thought yeah. he'd give you a spot right now just to... Uh, Maybe justify that a little bit, or at least tell us why you like Seth Jones as much as you do before we get into our, uh, I think we'll start with the sleepers on yep. the blue line. Yep. All right, so yeah. One, I had two. Seth uh, ridiculously high, now that I'm looking at your guys' uh, rankings, <laughs> and I'm going to absolutely defend it. So for me, um, Jones kind of took an absolutely massive step forward last year and kind of put himself into that range of, for me, almost tier two defensemen. Um, we'll call him three because we got the Carlson Burns in one and then just sure everybody yeah, else everyone else and then don't yeah. read exactly what you wrote because I already read it no yet. yeah for sure <laughs> um, I don't got much more than that but honestly uh, just at 23 he's kind of it, it's an age where we see defensemen develop more I mean it, it's kind of weird to say but we see later development from D so going into age his age 24 <laughs> season I think he's just going to keep adding on to the massive minutes that he's been playing um, Wierenski's actually going to pull it together this year uh, Columbus's power play was actually pretty shit last year so shit. yeah so it's very impressive that he put up a career high 57 points the 16 goals that had him ranked second in the league that's kind of why i have him up here he takes a ton of shots um i absolutely expect him to push 60 plus and if he does he deserves absolutely deserves to be in the top 10 here um we're talking about guys like drew Doughty who have done that once in their life <laughs> so still cracked your top 10 yeah. though he did <laughs> I, I we were talking about it and i i honestly i like his floor a lot and a lot of it obviously has to do with the the shot totals that he puts out um but i think for both of me and brock the the only thing uh, that kept him out of our top 10 i think we both agreed we'd have him around 11 12 13 in that area uh, it was just, I think, him and Wierenski competing for time on that top yeah. power play just kind of limits his upside. Uh, it is nice that they play together at 5v5. Um, but in the end, I think just having both in there, similar to Yossi and Subban, just limits each other's upside. Um, but yeah, I, I totally would not be shocked to see him push 60 points this year. And I do think he's one of the more reliable goal-scoring threats on the blue line. Stud. He's a stud. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into the sleepers now. Yeah, Beebs, you didn't get to talk a lot in the first half because you weren't here, so we might yeah. as well go right back. Do you have a sleeper? Who do you got? Actually sticking with the same team and someone that D actually just mentioned, Zach Wierenski. This is a guy who last year we were talking top 10. I think we all might have had him in there at least pushing our top 10. Probably pretty close um, to him. And this year I'm pretty sure people are ranking him like not anywhere close to the top 10. Probably, I, I don't even know exactly where he's going ADP-wise, but I know that it is a lot later. Than... ADP right now is 20th among defensemen and 91st overall. Yeah. So for someone that we're talking to for a top 10 D-man, he's absolutely capable to get back to that level. It seemed like he was kind of in the sophomore slump last year and someone who absolutely felt the uh, the effects of that Columbus power play um, going which ranked 25th in the NHL last year. Got brutal. And that was after the year before they had that atkinson Wierenski connection that just mm-hmm. seemed unbelievable on power plays. And then next thing you know, Atkinson's healthy. Wierenski's off the power play. Seth Jones is working his way into my top 10 because of that. <laughs> but no, I just really like the upside of Wierenski. And I think with him and Jones there, um, as we mentioned, they do play together on 5-on-5, five five, which is huge. You don't get a ton of 5-on-5 five five, um, points from your D-men. A lot of times, so that I, I do like it for that. I do. I think they could be a force. They could be someone that uh, Tortorella rides real hard as far as minutes go. Doesn't have a ton of really good options there. Yeah, exactly. And for him, um, another huge yeah. thing is I'm gonna bring it up a lot with D, but it just his goal scoring. Um, Sixteen again, tied for second. Mm-hmm. Um, 
geez, you don't have a lot of guys on the back end. It seemed at least. Well, the year before last year, we were talking about, we're like, D-Man scored like crazy. And then this year, we're like, yeah, no one's cracking 20. Uh, (laughs) But this guy has a legitimate chance. He has an absolute bomb from the back end. Um, I expect him to step up uh, his assist totals. He only had 21 a year ago. That's extremely low for a guy who plays on kind of a lineup like he does. Yeah. Um, If he can keep up those goals, if he can do 16 again, 16, 17, I mean, maybe even touch 20. Um, He's a great pick if you can get him as as the 20th D-Man in the draft. Maybe your second or third demon on your roster. I like him as a... Oh, my God. That's, that's kind of yeah. what we were talking about before you got here, too. Like, guys that... Um, like, last year, he said he drafted the Tang as maybe, like, his number two or number three yeah. defenseman. And, like, those guys, like, fall to you in that area with that kind of upside. Like, that's some of the best picks that you're going to have in the entire draft. Yeah, because, like, worst case, he's going to put up whatever you expect from him. Best case, he's going to put up what a two D-man could if you have him as your three. Yeah. And then you're just laughing. And, and a lot of people don't notice that. They'll talk about, oh, look at how good my team is. If you have a stack D, and, you know, you can have good forwards, but if you have a stack D that's putting up those points that people For don't sure. realize, it, it's bonus points. that are Especially in a head-to-head league. Like, if you're, yeah. you're Especially D- goals. outscoring the other team's yeah. D-man every week. Like goals laughing. are massive. Yeah. Too, um, yeah, yeah. I, I think when you look at uh, Borensky, um for whatever reason, or you know, you might think it's for whatever reason, but there was a, kind of a big drop off between his production and Jones's last year. They like switched um, roles almost. Right, 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 right. And it really did just come down to the power play time because Wierenski only had twenty one assists, which is a big drop off from where he was at the year before. Uh, and a lot of that can be attributed to a low on ice shooting percentage. Uh, Jones had the same struggles at even strength. They both had an on-ice shooting percentage at right around 7.6, 7.5%. Uh, so unlucky in that regard, but Jones made up for it with the power play time. He had 24 power play points last season. Obviously, Rowenski's 10. Yeah, yeah, so just that's the difference right there. Um, and I think it could continue to limit his upside, but at the same time, if that on-ice shooting percentage bounced back, there's no reason to think he can't get back to 30 assists. And then, as Beebs alluded to, there's definitely a guy with 15, even 20 goal upside if things break his way. Uh, just a great shot from the back end, and he gets it off a lot. Uh, so it bodes well for his production this year, for sure. It's kind of funny, though, because we're talking about how why we didn't have Seth Jones in our top 10 was because Marinsky could take that right. top power. Yeah. So it could just swap roles again. Right, or it could be something with the Ossie and Subban where they fight for it as the year goes <clears> along. Right? Like, and the thing with Marinsky, though, is like even if he doesn't, and he still stays in that PP2, but still sees tons still of minutes and even strength, as a 20th defenseman off the board, I'll take that any day of the week. He's, de- he's a definite top 20 defenseman. So yeah. You guys are catching on. I did Wierenski as the sleeper and then Jones. So if I get Jones wrong, I'm going to be so right about Wierenski. There you go. But if I get Jones there right, you go. Yeah. Hedge I'm your like, bets. hey, man, it's a sleeper. And like, you could get both of them, technically. Yeah, so. What about you, D? Who's your sleeper? Uh, Colin Miller. No, uh, not you. You love this guy so much. I, I do love Miller. him a lot this yeah. offseason, or I guess heading into this season, preseason. Got a terrible slap shot, though. <laughs> Great slap shot. Um, one of the most underrated, really, in the league. We really started to, I think, he, or I guess he finally started to get some respect for it last year in the playoffs uh, when Vegas just got one primetime game after another. That'll happen when you go to the Stanley Cup Finals. 106 miles an hour is good, right? Yeah, it's pretty good. That's okay. right. Um, so Miller had the 10 goals on 177 shots last season. Both impressive totals, but he only played 19 minutes and 21 seconds a night. Makes it all that more impressive. I think there's only a handful of Golden Knights that can be relied on to repeat last year's success, and I do think Miller is one of them. Uh, you could probably throw Jonathan March, so Alex Tuck, and maybe Eric Halla into that uh, grouping of guys who had a career year last year and actually look like they could continue it moving forward. But uh, Miller possesses one of the most underrated shots in the league, like we said, and he mans the point. On Vegas' first power play unit, 
He was already due for an uptick in five five ice time. Uh, and the 20-game suspension to fellow right-hand defenseman Nate Schmidt uh, only further solidifies that. So at least for the first 20 games or so, Miller should be in the low 20s. Contracts hold out, too, with with Shea Theodore. Yes, yeah, so a lot of ice time to be had on that blue line. I don't think you'll see Derek Anglin getting more than 22 minutes, minutes in the first again. 20. Yeah, yeah so I, I think Colin Miller has really proven he's ready for that expanded role at 5v5. Uh, and there's the opportunity there as well. So he should have no problem building on his 10-goal, 41-point campaign from last year. Uh, he's been criminally underrated this preseason, going undrafted in a lot of leagues. I think he's an ideal guy to have as your third or fourth defenseman. You should be able to get him with one of your last few picks. Uh, he's ranked 216 on ESPN and 255 on Yahoo. Uh, so, yeah, we've got him ranked at 150. There's a major discrepancy there. Uh, he's a number 42 defenseman being drafted yeah. right now, going undrafted in Yahoo or sorry in ESPN leagues. 180 overall in Yahoo leagues. The only place he's getting respect is CBS. <laughs> For whatever yeah, reason. probably a couple of Vegas fans working. I'm not, yeah, I'm not even sure they still run drafts. Yeah, I, I just think Miller is one of those guys um, <laughs> that'll be there towards the end of the draft. That really makes me comfortable, kind of skipping on those first or not. Maybe not Carlson and Burns if they fall to you, but like we talked about, Brock, kind of those three yeah. to ten guys who might go a little bit earlier than we feel they should based on just what they can produce compared to other blue liners. I don't think Miller is going to be that far off from those guys when it's all said and done at the end of the year. This is also a great late-round pick because he's going to play so many minutes early in the year. Yeah, Nate Tatum. You might be able to sell high even on even and Even if he starts seeing decreased minutes once uh, Schmidt comes back, uh-huh. who knows how long Theodore... Maybe Theodore starts the year, maybe he doesn't. I have no idea. Uh, but... He's, he could just be a sell-high candidate, and you could pick up a better defenseman that might be struggling earlier in the year For sure. or whatever, right? So I like this pick a ton. That bomb, he's got an absolute bomb. It's just hilarious to look at his like playing time from last year because he was last among Vegas defensemen in even strength time on ice, but led them in power play time yeah. or just right behind. Well, he's actually he was sixth in ice time yeah. uh, straight up, so he'd yeah. last in ice time. It's crazy. Defenseman, but yeah, led but them in points. He's going to play upwards of 20 minutes. At least to start the year and twenty games. That's a it's a lot of games. Yeah, yeah. It's a nice break it down. Window, yeah. that, that's like that's three almost, weeks. That's, that's like no, that's way more than three weeks. weeks. Yeah, it's like almost. Yeah. yeah, that's a lot. Of and games. we're expecting that power play to be even better this year, right? Yeah, um, yeah. A lot of regression <laughs> to come with them to even strength, seems, but I think the addition of Patrick is huge. And seems so crazy to talk about anything related to Vegas being better this yeah. year than yeah. it was last but year. But the power play does seem like it could be. Yeah, it definitely could be. Uh, for me, my sleeper, and this is crazy. Because I'm so high on this guy every year. The fact that he's kind of gone to this point where he's a sleeper now is hilarious. But uh, Oliver Ekman Larson is my sleeper. Right now his ADP is 101. Uh, we have him ranked almost two rounds earlier than that, 84th overall. Uh, Ekman Larson scored 20-plus goals in 2015 and 2016, but has averaged just 13 goals over the last two years. Mm-hmm. Just, just 13. Just. That's it. Uh, while his production, production has dipped a little bit, he's still ranked second among defensemen in goals. 17 per season and 17th in points 45 points per season over the last five years uh he logs over 24 minutes per game uh, and was still able to post a 51.4 course he four on a brutal uh, coyotes team last year but we've talked about it this is a team that can surprise some people this year better surrounding cast ekman lars is capable of firing 225 plus shots 15 plus goals 30 plus assists 20 plus power play points and 80 plus block shots and 150 plus hits if you didn't digest all that, it's on DFO somewhere yeah. because he's l- like that's just absurd production across the board for a guy right now who's going 
on average, the 22nd defenseman off the board, which just is baffling to me. He's a borderline number three defenseman being drafted right now. Like, that's mm-hmm. just... If you can draft OEL as your number three defenseman, you're going to dominate. Yeah. Him. Like, he could legitimately... He, like, is one of the only guys that could challenge Burns for the defense lead, like, in scoring this year. In yeah. goals. The only... One of the only other guys that actually has goals. legitimate... Yeah, like, goals. Yes. The only other guy that has legitimate 20 goal upside. Yeah. There's not many of them. No. And he's a 22nd defenseman off the board. So, I love... So, I always loved OEL. Always been high on all tied to the team. Yeah. So, but he's still good. He's going to be... Draft, draft good players on bad team. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Like, all day. Yeah. Just pick up somebody else later that's going to help that... Plus minus out a little bit if you have that stat in your league. Or just, just be like me and wash plus minus. Yeah, I was going to say that's really the only knockback on a guy, which obviously isn't as much a knock on him as it is the team he plays for, yeah. but in fantasy, you do have to consider and it. People might be blinded and think Nick Letty will have a better plus minus, but he's going to have a negative 42, and I'd rather have OEL, who's going to have like 100%. a negative 38. Yeah, so. <laughs> 100%. Uh, breakout uh, defenseman for you, Biebs. For me, it's someone who's going average 115 in Yahoo leagues. I'm not too sure about ESPN, but it's Ivan Provorov. Brock, I know you're super high on this guy. 21 years old. ADP's 117 overall right now. Okay, so he's riding about the same. On average, that's 116 overall in both leagues there. See, I could do what the fantasy pros do. But um, I'm 26 defenseman, sorry. Damn, that's that's actually a lot higher than I expect. People are showing him a little bit of respect, but I expect him to break out this year. I really expect him to take that uh, that next step. He had 17 goals last year, which was the best in the NHL, I believe, among defensemen. Um, tied with Brent Burns and a couple others up there. But 17 is uh, that's extremely productive for fantasy numbers. Um, and 41 points overall, he kind of rode under the radar. Provorov started to really kind of appear to be a fantasy asset as the season progressed, and they started to gain more trust in him in his minutes. Yeah. Um, came up by the end of the year, he was only averaging twenty four oh nine only, but actually that's quite a bit, um, and that's with the early season twenty minutes, eighteen minutes yeah. that he was playing quite often. So Provorov, he'll, he'll lead he'll lead that team in, in even strength, absolutely. Um, and it's a team that um, that we saw kind of get hot at, at certain points last year, and they seem to do this every year. And when they do, Provorov becomes almost a number two uh, defenseman for you. So if you can get him as I think you said 22nd D-man off the board. 26th. 26th. Um, I actually like him more than Rensky at this point. I don't know if you'd agree. But uh, it, it's a close up there. But but as we're saying that, Rensky's going as the 20th overall. I do think uh, Provorov could go higher. <laughs> he had 203 shots last year. That's a, a lot for yep. D-man. And that's like only going to improve with his confidence. This guy's 21 years old. Um, so it's crazy that, you know, he's just... He's, he's not even a... He's not a man yet. He's not even. He's only getting better. Um, that team's getting better, and people aren't quite realizing the talent that they have there with Provorov, Patrick, um, that young talent. But um, as well, I just want to mention his assists were super down. Um, if he can build on that a little bit, he's going to become an elite option just with the goals. The thing is, he he had 15 goals and 21 assists. At even strength last yeah, year. That's ridiculous. Yeah. That's a good year. Translate that. Just, to, it, 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 overall, that's a good de- like year yeah, from a defenseman. That's like an that. Aaron Ekblad season from like a year ago. Yeah. And we still think Aaron Ekblad's gonna break it. That's an even strength. If he just even sees any sort of power play production on what we expect to be an improved second power play unit, for sure where he's gonna start, 
in Philadelphia, just a slight uptick in power play production. I mean, he's another guy that could legitimately score 20 goals this year. I think, he obviously, 200... 200 like not even good. Well, it sports. is for defense. It is, but I was going to say, it might not, not be sustainable. Like when you expect when you see 17 goals, you're like, holy mm. shit, he definitely shot above it's 10. 40%. No, he shot 8.4%. That's like... That's very... I think that's sustainable with a guy with a shot of his caliber. Yeah. It might um, not be totally sustainable as from a defenseman, yeah. but I mean, it's not going to... It might not fall off a ton. Yeah. And if you just... 1% one way. Exactly. Yeah. And a guy that shoots over 200 shots per game is all you Beautiful. need, right? Yeah. And plays that much ice. Oh, my God. It's just... I want pro golf. Yeah, he's a, he's a stud. I, I think you he's want... He's winning the Norris this year. <laughs> oh, there... People in Philly are so high on him. It's ridiculous. I didn't realize... Want to. Until the NHL... Um, yeah. NHL released their top 10 defensemen this year. Like the, It was months and months ago, and people just lost their money. And I couldn't believe the amount of Flyers fans jumping in saying, why is Pro Rob not mentioned? Yeah. At first, well, I scoffed at it. Then you start to actually look at the numbers. and he's, You just don't see that kind of production from a guy that young. Yeah. I mean, rookies in general on the blue line, right? And even but, his rookie year, 30 points, like not even bad. Yeah, not yeah. bad, I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, and I, but I, you know, we talked about it earlier. I, I do think like the one harp I had on Goss Bear was the potential of this guy to come and yeah. steal his role on the top power play. We've seen Gosses Bear fall out of favor with Dave Haxel before, even after having tremendous seasons the Just year benched. before. So, yeah, he got benched after having it's an unbelievable rookie season just because he was kind of struggling a little bit and having some unfortunate bounces at even strength uh, in his sophomore season. So it's definitely not out of the picture that should his production kind of be a little bit slower out of the gate that a, a guy like Provorov, who Haxel... Uh, you know, for every right reason, has fallen in love with to kind of usurp his role on the power play. He played over two minutes a night more than the second defenseman in terms of even strength ice time last year. It's crazy. He averaged it's almost a lot twenty of minutes a night just in, in even strength ice time. The next highest was Andrew McDonald, and he was twenty <laughs> years old last year. Exactly. That's ridiculous. Yeah, still, uh, even still, sees almost two minutes a night on the power play. Obviously, that like we said, second unit should be a little bit better this year. Uh, but breakout for you, D. We got Brandon Montour. Ooh, Windsor alert. Windsor alert. Uh, We've never mentioned him on the podcast, though, saying that. Yeah. Well, I don't think we have. should for anyone from Windsor, really, right? True. We're just going to let it slide. Actually, Ekblad did slip. He's more of a Bell River. Yeah, people don't forget. (laughs) So Montour registered nine goals, 32 assists, 160 shots on goal. 23 assists. What? 32 points. Oh, my bad. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, Good catch. Good catch. Uh, 160 shots on goal in what was his first full season last year. Uh, his average time on ice finished at 20 minutes and 28 seconds, uh, though that's a little misleading as Montour's role grew larger as the season went on. Uh, his average time on ice over the last 25 games of the year was actually 23 minutes and 21 seconds, so I think that's a, a much better indicator of where his usage will be yeah, at absolutely. Uh, in 2018-19. He should have no problem breaking 40 points, assuming he plays that much, and his ceiling could be pushed even higher if he's able to challenge Cam Fowler for a spot on the top power play unit. Uh and you know Fowler, another Windsor alert. For as much as we like him, and I do think there, you know, he's definitely got, uh, I, I guess, an admirable offensive skill set. His power play production has kind of, you know, it's failed to justify his usage. He hasn't registered yeah. more than 17 power play points in a season since he was a rookie. Uh, and I think if last year was any indication, Montreux played on the top pair and the top unit when Fowler was hurt. Uh, head coach Randy Carlisle won't hesitate to he's give Montour <laughs> the opportunity. Uh, to kind of take on not just the top power play unit, but a top pair uh, spot as well if Fowler struggles to produce off the bat. So I, I think there's a lot to like Montour here. Uh, another guy that you can get pretty late in the drafts and potentially be right up there around 40, 50 points with the guys going in you know fourth, fifth, and sixth rounds. Yeah, he's uh, actually going on average at 131 right now. Um, 
his number 31 defenseman off the board. Yeah. Uh, if you look, like kind of like you mentioned, uh, if you look after February 1st of last year, he was uh, playing over 22 minutes a night, and he was getting the same power play usage um, per game as Cam Fowler was over that time. So, I, he, like you said, he slowly started yeah. to transition to a bigger role as the year progressed. And uh, he, he's got a ton of offensive upside for sure. We talked about Montour quite a bit last year as like a rookie pick, uh, and, and he had a good year. And I think you're right. Uh, as a breakout candidate, I like it a lot. The guy that can definitely build off of what he has done already. Yeah. Uh, my breakout is Colton Pareko. Uh, current ADP is 163. The daily faceoff rank is 127. Uh, Pareko has been a personal favorite of mine uh, and someone we've talked about quite a bit on the podcast uh, before. Yeah. You picked him off. I remember, like, when you originally picked him off before. He, he had, like, two games on his belt. I'm like, I had no... I just remember talking about, about this Alaskan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> talking about Alaska. Yeah. yeah. Uh, last, <laughs> Props. Last year, he was 11th among defensemen in shots with 212. Uh, but he has the lowest shooting percentage in the NHL <laughs> of the 67 players with at least 400 <laughs> shots over the last two years at 2.5%. Right, lower than Duncan Keith, who had, like... 200 shots. Well, that was he, Duncan Keith had the lowest last year, but over the last two no, years, I know. Yeah. Even, yeah. even lower than that. The, yeah. yeah. Oh, so the second, ridiculous. the second lowest over that time <laughs> is Oscar Clefbaum with 4.2%. So almost 2% Ooh, higher the second lowest uh, in, in the NHL. But uh, of those 67 players, 13 of them are defensemen, and they have shot a combined 5.5% over that time. So if Pareko can just get up to 5 Does he just like flick the puck on the net? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. He's got a bomb, so that's much. not what happens. Uh, but if Pareko can just get up to that 5.5% with the 212 shots he has la- had last year, he scores 12 goals and 41 points. It's a really good year, yeah. especially for a guy going on ADP 163 right now. Um he should play close to 23, uh, 23 minutes per night again this year, including upwards of two, you know, over two minutes per night on the power play. So there will be plenty of chances for him to eclipse his previous career highs in shots, goals, assists, and power play points. Uh, current ADP, 14th round, 38th defenseman off the board on average, is far too low in my opinion. He is a legit 15-goal, 50-point upside uh, defenseman. Uh, I like Pareko a ton. Um I don't really have a defenseman to talk about uh, because there's such a limited number of uh, rookie defensemen. What did I say? Fancy defensemen? Rookie you just defensemen. said defensemen. Yeah. Okay, de- rookie defensemen. <laughs> Sorry. So I actually did two breakouts. My other breakout, another Windsor alert, Ryan Ellis. Uh, current ADP is 82.3. Maybe the most Windsor alert. Yeah. As far as Spitfires go. <laughs> Ellis opened last year on the IR, missed the first 38 games of the season with a knee injury. However, he ended up being a fantastic stash for those of you who are patient enough. I remember just stashing on my bench a couple of these. Stash with the Such a good beard. stash. Yeah. The great beer. <laughs> no, no, whatever. Uh, <laughs> if you were patient enough for his January return, he was a ridiculous stash. Uh, upon getting back in the Predators lineup, Ellis played uh, in the remaining 44 games and collected an impressive 32 points Gross. in 9 goals, 23 assists in 44 games. So basically Brandon Montour numbers in 44, in 44 games. games. Yeah. Um, in other words, he was on a 17 goal, 43 assists, which is 60 point per 82 game pace. Uh, even more impressively, he averaged over 23 minutes uh, per night, and for the or 23 minutes a night for the second straight season, it was on pace for 200 plus shots. He has no competition for minutes because uh, Yannick Weber and Matt Irwin are terrible, so he'll be in the top four with Subban or Yossi <laughs> the entire year. Um, so as long as he can maintain that shot volume, get over 200, you know, 215 shots. He is a near lock for 15 points or 15 so goals and 50 points. 
So both those guys I like for 15 goals, 50 points this year if all falls in the direction. Obviously, the only knock on Ellis is durability. He hasn't been the healthiest defenseman. He's been he's a little bit so many shots. He's been a little bit Chris Letang esque yes. over the last couple of years. But I mean, got married I, this I, summer though, so maybe you know he's he's got the wife at home now. Keep him healthy. I don't think that has to do with anything. Nothing to do with it. Um, let's go to let's go to bust now, Beebs. What do you got? Um, Dustin Bufflin. I uh, Dustin Bufflin. Dustin but Bufflin. <laughs> Uh, busted, buff, busted Bufflin? There we go. We're just going to go with that. But uh, I actually came in here just howling about Dustin Bufflin when I first got here tonight because uh, NHL.com has him ranked as their fourth best defenseman. Uh, not to just like, uh, not to attack NHL.com, but the fourth <laughs> best fantasy defenseman. Uh, does he deserve that because he almost lost his job last year? With the, Well, not really, but there was times when we were talking about this guy as the sixth D-man in Winnipeg. Um, is it maybe because he's older and a little bit slower? Is that why we rank him higher than ever? No, I don't. I don't. I, don't agree I, I honestly sat there at it's the my hits, work, man. I'm telling you, it's the I hits. had to check if it was like 2014. I just like, and then I refreshed the page. Oh yeah. my, it's 28 Dahlins on this list. But yeah, no, you're right. It is the hits. That's what they're going by. But for me, it's just it's not worth it. He's Imagine not just drafting on hits alone. <laughs> I know it's ridiculous. And this is after he had a, he had a season last year where he had hits eight and plus goals. minus, baby. Yeah, That's how I build my team. <laughs> Eight goals, forty-five assists for Dustin Bufflin last year. Dustin Dufflin. A lot of times on my fantasy teams, if a D-man has eight goals and forty-five assists, I'm kind of dropping Bustin them Bufflin. and picking up a guy. That's what I should have been. That's what I said. Bustin Bufflin. I said the first time. Okay, yeah. my bad. We, we uh, it took us a while. To get so let's, go, let's go back to I'm it. I'm so sorry. But uh, yeah, his eight goal, his forty-five <laughs> points were uh, that's twentieth best in the league, and that's riding a ton of assists. Um, 37 assists. Yeah. I just can't. I just. I don't. Looking at our top four, like, how could you ever justify taking him ahead of Brett Burns, Eric Carlson, Victor Hedman, and Jonathan? It's funny because I, I feel like. They have uh, him above Carl, Carlson led the league in points. I know. He's one of these guys where I feel like a lot of the time he was going underdrafted. He was underrated for like a number of seasons Forever. for what he could do. Now he's overrated. Yeah. And it's, but it was, so you know. Overrated. Because, and it was because, you know, he was one of the few guys who could reliably score yeah. 15 to 20 goals. Um, but now, for whatever it. reason, there's about 10 to 15 guys who you could bank on getting yeah. 15 goals He's from not the same line. Could go and he, yeah, he just yeah. doesn't have the same upside as those yeah. guys do. I, I think his limits or his minutes at 5v5 are just going to become more and more limited this year when you look well, at the guys that got on the blue line. Morrissey and Schubert studs. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable players at 5v5. Uh, I think Tyler Myers is one of the most underrated defensemen in the league, mm-hmm. um, and he's certainly capable yeah, of challenging. Kulikov, like the two of them together, yeah, that's yeah, a like solid, they solid five five. disgusting yeah. six. Yeah, yeah. and we're all pushing. I just feel bad for Myers because I, I, I honestly think he like his skill set is like worthy of a top power play unit position, right? And that's just never going to happen behind Bufflin. Um, and you'd have to think he's probably still behind Shuba for power play time. As oh well. yeah, um, I mean, like he could definitely take like it's so up in the air there, yeah. but I, I mean. I'll, I like Tyler Myers a lot, but not well. He's one imagine of the, this is what we're talking about, though. Imagine but. fourth rank, like holy. I know. I can't. Uh, imagine it. you're sitting there. You're like, oh, I gotta take a D man because I, I take D man first round. Gotta I'm gonna Bob. take Dustin. He's just Bob. like he's Ridiculous. one of he's one of those guys where I'm could, crazy. It's not that I don't want him on my team, but there's I know there's no chance he's gonna end up on my team after a draft because he's gonna go way earlier than I so would ever want to take him. Um, he's gonna play like 20 minutes tonight. Yeah. No. If he's your number nah. one D man, just fold. Nah, just fold. No, don't fold. But I mean, like you can definitely be your number one. D-man. He's your number one D-man. You better have a sick goaltending trio. Well, no, I would say if he's your number one D-man, you need a pretty strong Solid second two. and third and three because we haven't ranked out of our probably top have a good four, probably, right? Yeah. So yeah. So 
Yeah. We're talking about Bufflin. He's in my. He's number eight for me. He was in your top ten. Yeah. Was he in my top? He 10? was. Uh, he oh, not, was my top. 10. Did not crack mine. <laughs> what are you guys talking? About? I don't know what I'm talking. About. Regardless, I, I he's still a I top. Think he's a number one fantasy defenseman, but he's not the fourth best. I think fantasy. out of all so the trying. twelve, say the twelve number one fantasy defenseman for me, he's he's the most likely to kind of fall out of it. The reason he is in yeah. my top ten really is because he does still have really good power play production, yeah. and those hits still do matter. They don't matter enough for him to be the number yeah. four ranked fantasy defenseman. Yeah. But it's a, it's enough to give him the edge over a guy with similar goals and assists. Numbers, exactly. Right? Exactly. Oh. Um, what about you? Who's your busty? Matt Dumba. Um, you know, and it, it's, again, it's like Bufflin. It's not a huge knock on him as a player or what I think he could bring to your fantasy team or my fantasy team. It's more just a reflection of where he's being ranked and where he's being drafted right now. Um, Dumba enjoyed a career year in 2017-18. He posted personal best in goals with 14, assists 36, and shots on goal 176. Uh, a real breakout year for Dumba to be sure. But Ryan Sooner, Jonas Brodin, Jared Spurgeon all missed time last year, which helped Dumba's average time on ice climb up to 23 minutes and 49 seconds. I think a healthy wild blue line really limits the usage of Dumba. Sooner and Spurgeon are still going to continue to see you know upwards of 25 minutes a night. Yeah. That's just how that blue line works. I think Dumba should start the year on the Wild's top power play unit. Um, but that's certainly, you know, all, you know, Sooner and Spurgeon especially are both capable of challenging him for that spot. Uh, shooter's production kind of struggle off the bat. Uh, is 11.0 on ice shooting percentage last year. Suggests some regression is coming, sure. and almost certainly for the defenseman. It was a bit of a perfect storm for him last yeah, year. Yeah, he got the extra ice time and was fortunate enough with his shooting percentages at 5v5, but 11% on ice for a defenseman is crazy high. That's got to come down. Yeah, there's no way. Yeah, his assist totals are going to fall as a result. Um, and that combined with the dip in ice time is going to make it really tough for him to get back to 50 points. Is obviously still a guy who's, you know, he's still rounding out his game. He might make some strides there that could make up for uh, the drop in percentages, but I, I don't think it's enough to justify taking him this high. I think a lot of people are looking for him to build on what he did last year. I yeah. don't think it's going to happen. Uh, like I said, obviously still a serviceable defenseman, uh, but I can't recommend taking him over the likes of Ryan Ellis, Alex Petrangelo, or Zach Wierenski, who are all being drafted behind him right now. Yeah, no, it was like I love Don Bill, like honestly, but. He, like, this is going to be another one of those cases, I think, where he's going to burn some people this year. Yeah. And then next year, you're going to get him late in the draft, and he's just, he's going to be great. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's just, there's just too much hype after what he did last year, and it was a bit of a perfect storm situation, and it's just, there's no way. Like, 77 is just a little bit too high uh, for my liking yeah. right now, yeah, but no, there's no reason um, not to, like you said, no reason not to expect him to not be a serviceable defenseman, but I think... Yeah, I just think he's going to have a hard time getting back to 50 points. Uh, and when you're looking at a guy that's going 77th yeah, overall exactly. in the draft... Just going way too early. Yeah. Man, like, that's dude. like the sixth round. Oh, I know, dude. Man. I know. If I saw Dumbo... People are taking this guy to be their number like one defenseman. look. Yeah. Stop. No, it's not a, not an ideal don't. situation. Mm-mm. Just don't do it. Don't be a dumb buck. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, my bust and rookie are one of the same. Uh, I got Rasmus Dahlin. Uh, this might be an unpopular choice. I, I love this take, by the way. I'm so about it. Let me start by saying this. This isn't redraft leagues only. This isn't a keeper league thing for me. Uh, Dahlin is a special talent. It's not every day that there's a defenseman compared to Nicholas Lindstrom with the size of Victor Hedman. Uh, but that's what Dahlin is. That's who Dahlin's getting compared to. Uh, being a special player, though, comes with high expectations. High expectations leads to players being picked way too early in fantasy. Uh, right now, his ADP is 104.7, uh, which means 
he's going before Ivan Provorov, Mark Giordano, Aaron Ekblad, and his own teammate, nah. Risto. He's going for Risto? Yeah. All four of them are proven fantasy commodities our luck, and are all likely to outproduce Darlene this season. Uh, if you look also over the last decade, only 9 of 459, 9 of 455 rookie defensemen that have played at least 60 games have recorded more than 40 points. And 40 points is like borderline fantasy relevant. Exactly. 9 out of 459. You need like 10 goals to be relevant with 40 points. Yeah. It's like so ridiculous. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, but like obviously Darlene is capable of doing what Zach Rowenski did, what John Klingberg did, what... Tyler Myers did when yeah. he won the nor or the uh, Calder. <laughs> what Rasmus Ristolainen did. Yeah, he's capable of doing that for yeah. sure. But that's likely his ceiling, and we can't just be going around. We say this all the time, drafting people at their ceilings because it's just not going to bode well for you over the course of the year. I can't recommend uh, drafting him this early um, because he could also do what Drew Doughty did. He could also do what Victor Hedman did right after they were drafted number two overall uh, in their drafts, respectively. So. I think that rookie defensemen just rarely produce at a high level. So, like, you just have to temper your expectations a little bit because this is looking more like a guy who's going to have 10 goals and 35 yeah. assists. Yeah. I'm not saying that he can't go out and blow the roof off of it and be phenomenal. He could he could post 50 he's points. Do more, yeah. Like, he is unreal. Than- but, like, he's not... At, even at 104, like that's just way too early yeah, for what I, he's likely to do. He's yeah. going to dunk and keep it. He's going to do a lot more on the ice than he will for your fantasy yeah. team. And I mean, that's really what he is. I'll talk about Dowling too because, I, that, like we talked about, 9 out of 459 guys uh, over however, however many seasons, how much was Ten. it? 10 seasons. So 9 guys. That's just guys that have played 60 yeah. games. And that's in a young league so, where guys have been making it more often than yeah. not. So 9 rookie <laughs> defensemen in 10 years. That's, you know, if you can do some math, that's right around one fantasy viable rookie defenseman per season. That's just 40 points. Right. And, but obviously, if it's going to be anyone, it's going to be Darlene. I think mm-hmm. he's the only guy that's really worth talking about in this spot, uh, save for maybe the guy that Beeb's going to talk about on the Dallas Stars there. Uh, but Darlene, I, while I do agree, Brock, I would not draft him at that spot. Uh, if you're looking at him in a keeper or a dynasty league, there's obviously still a ton of upside there. For sure. Um, and I, I just think... I just think he's second if you look about, in terms of power play time on his own team. And, yeah. But the move? thing is... When, <laughs> he might be, but I do think there's a good chance they rock both of them on that top sure. unit. Um, and I, I don't think Risto has... Uh, as firmly as of a grip on that top spot as we might like on this podcast. No, Darlene makes Risto a little bit of a, a busty candidate. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but and I, I just think part of the reason why none of those guys get to a fantasy viable spot is rookie defensemen generally don't get that kind of opportunity. They don't get handed a spot on the top power play unit. They don't get handed top pair of minutes. But Darlene might very much get that in his yep. rookie season. Uh, and even if you want to look at it more recently, two years ago, Ivan Provorov, a guy we're already talking about, could potentially be a Norris Trophy candidate in a couple of seasons, if not this year, with the way his game's progressing. He had 30 points in his rookie exactly. season, but he played on the second pair and saw... So 21 minutes a night. Yeah, but saw no power play time whatsoever. I think Darlene will almost certainly be on the top pair, if not the second pair. Should be around 22, 23 minutes a night, I would imagine. Uh and if he's not on that first power play unit, he'll be on the second power play unit. Obviously, he has the skill set to get it done. But like I said, 
or like you said, really, Brock, uh, it's just such a long shot for any rookie defenseman to be viable in fantasy hockey that I would not go draft him anywhere that's not, uh, you know, the very later rounds of the draft. That's a and thing. And the, way he's, so early. the yeah. way he's going right now, yeah, it's just not going to happen. I wouldn't take him anywhere before round 13 Would or 14. you take him before Mikhail Sergeyev? Uh, I do think so, just because I think they're similar in what they can offer for upside, but I think Sergeyev will certainly be around 17, 18 minutes a night again. And all the offensive upside he has is just crushed by Hedman being on that top unit ahead of him. So I do like Dalian over Sergeyev, but I'm sure there's a handful of guys um, that are... I feel, I all feel comes like down those two will probably finish right around the same, too, like yeah. when it all boils down. To yeah, it. but I mean, Dalian will probably do it with five more minutes a game. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, Biebs, what about... Uh, your rookie, the only other one we're talking about. Yeah, as D mentioned, this is a guy who um, who met, a lot of people might not draft because they just don't recognize his name, but they should start learning it. It's Miro Hei- Miro Heiskinen. Uh, he's 19 years old. Heiskinen Fun was to say. Hey, better be used to it. Yeah, for real. And he's going to do a lot. But he's picked third overall. Uh, what was it, two years ago now? Um, and nobody really, like, nobody ever talks about him because I believe it was the, the a Matthews Eichel draft that he was in. I should confirm this, but um, but everyone's talking about Matthews and Eichel. So they totally forget about that finished defenseman who went and is now going to be likely slotting into the top four in Dallas, um, which is a very nice top four because that means he'll likely play sometimes with Jamie Benn, Tyler Sagan, um, the Shushkins there. I mean, they, they're they're not... I'm not trying to pull an extra strings here. But um, Dallas is known to have, you know... Uh, generally, they're offensive-driven. Um, ice get in, I wouldn't necessarily suggest on your team. But if there is a guy that you can kind of put at the back of your roster and will maybe step up out mm-hmm. of the rookies, he's my guy. Um, he played for HIFK in Finland's Elite League and had 11 goals, 12 assists in 30 games. Yeah. Um, so he knows how to put the puck in the net. I, I I've never seen any highlights of this kid, but I imagine that means he, that he has a pretty decent. He's shot. like a he's like an Eric Carlson yeah. kind of guy, like not not overly big, six mm-hmm. foot one seventy, but like just such a smooth skater, yeah. very agile. Um, I think he's, he's gonna make he, a like good a John Klingberg, yeah. like very similar type of yeah. player. Um, but he's also good in his own end too, so he won't be like limited to those. Yeah, and I do. Minutes and Dallas, and like, I do think he definitely sees time on that second power play unit. For sure, I mean, we saw the stars. Disliked Esselin Dale so much in that spot that they ran it on both units yeah. for most of the season. Right. Not exaggerating, that's actually what happened. No, yeah. Um, he's looked good in Beavers camp. Up just to guess, clarify so. or answer your question yeah. earlier, uh, Heiskanen was taken third overall in the 2017 entry draft uh, behind Nico Heischer yeah, and right. Nolan Patrick. Right. Uh, Matthews Eichel or Matthews Line was the year, year before. Four, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, third overall behind Heischer and Patrick, just ahead of your boy, Kill McCarr, for the Colorado Avalanche. Mm-hmm. Probably, Ooh, uh, could, probably would have been better off if Heiskanen fell. Down, could but. be mentioned that uh, on, on the pod. Is he gonna make the roster? Uh, probably not. There's a I mean, bunch of guys that could potentially be mentioned nine, if they know. make the roster, but it doesn't look like they're going to. So apparently, though, I guess Yuli Levy would be yeah. the most uh, the most yeah. relevant one. But like none of them. Just, like like if we're, if we're talk, but like here's what we're, here's yeah. I just think if Yulevi's good enough to make the NHL team, why not put him on the team and give him 22 minutes? In the I game? don't know if he is though. Right? Yeah, he struggled last year. Yeah, big which time. is fine, but he looks a lot better in training camp yeah, this which year. Is good, but I, I think just the spot Vancouver's like in the blue line. Sure, they have a lot of capable veteran defensemen, but what's the point of giving them the yeah, minutes no. if you're just going to finish bottom five in the league anyway? Uh, I, I think if Yulevi, if his talent or his, where his game's at right now warrants a roster spot, then he should get a top four role. Uh, but it doesn't seem like he's going to get that spot. Here's the thing. Yeah. We're just talking about how nine out of 459 rookie defensemen have ever done anything ever. Yeah. yeah. 
if we think Darlene's not really going to be fantasy relevant, yeah. Oli Levy very unlikely. To True, but Levy's had a couple extra years of seasoning since sure. he was drafted too. For sure. But I do think, uh, I, while I do agree with you, and I don't think any of these guys are worth investing anything too highly in, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the year that's maybe a bit of an exception, not with Levy, but we see two guys that are really fantasy relevant. I think Heisman has a good year. Yeah. Yeah, I think Heisman has a good I think he's a good player. I just think, obviously, Klingberg being ahead of him really clogs that spot. And Could be a Roy candidate. I would rather, I would rather take Heisman in 100% with my second last, last pick of the draft, yeah. the draft, Darlene at 104. Yeah, for sure. No question. For sure. I think they probably have pretty similar numbers when it's all said and done, and you're going to get them uh, 14 rounds later. It'll just come down to what Heiskanen plays, because I do think Darlene is going to see a lot of minutes as he yeah, should. Yeah, I, I think Heiskanen should should play second line. Uh, a lot of it, it's either going to be with Steven Johns or Mark Mathot. Both kind of stay-at-home guys that are decent. You know, they'll allow him to kind of do his own thing. Not but terrible defense. But he's not, uh, he's not like, he's no slouch in his own end either, yeah. which is good. So, yeah. uh, but that's the fantasy uh, positional preview episode. We're going to be back to talk about D's favorite goaltenders. Uh, the time to talk about, uh, D puts the D in 10. Yeah, it's time to talk about save percentage and how good your team is, because yeah. that's all that matters. We're going to uh, hopefully be able to record this on Wednesday, so we'll be able to get that one out Thursday. So, um, Look forward to that. Uh, like we've been saying at the end of every podcast, head over to iTunes, give us a nice review, say something you like about us, and uh, enjoy the Blue Stones. We'll see you guys back here next week. Yeah, it's been good. Peace. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.